And we're going to start today with the national reaction to Dave Tepper firing Frank Reich. What does it do for Bryce Young? And we'll start with our morning show, Unsportsmanlike. Uh, we'll start with the, the clip about Tepper, by the way, Dennis. Uh, Chris Canty is the, the one of the co-hosts, and he had this to say about what David Tepper needs to do moving forward. Last time I checked, football ain't his business. He's not a football guy. He's a football fan that has to happen to have a lot of money, and that's why he could buy a team. But it's clear and obvious that he don't know what the hell he's doing. When you're hiring and firing coaches midseason every single year in back-to-back years, something we've never seen, it's obvious you don't know what you're doing. At this point, you need to give way, give up your veto power, and let the football people in the building handle the football business. I agree and I disagree. I mean, you. I keep saying this, but if you buy an NFL franchise, you can't have someone saying football isn't your business. You own one of 32 NFL franchises. <laughs> football is your business. Yeah. And I actually, I don't mind veto power as one of the only things that the owner owns, the owner has. Because if if I'm an owner, if, I, if you draft someone first overall, you're paying them almost $40 million. If I have a conversation with the guy and I'm like, I don't like him, I don't want him in my my franchise, I want that power. I I, I agree that Tepper has not run a good program. I, I mean, you can go back and find it on our podcast you can find our youtube page 99.9 the fan thank you for all that have been subscribing there that community keeps growing and we love it uh and and we're very appreciative of it but you can hear all of my negatives about tepper up there i refuse to tell an owner who is so committed to something that he spent two plus billion dollars that you have to just like wash your hands and walk away there's a better way to do it than how he's doing it but that's a tough one right there very tough one yeah, it'd be hard to spend nearly $3 billion and then just be like, okay, I'm just going to walk away from it. Yeah, I'll see you on Sundays. I'm yeah. going to enjoy this 17 times a year. Yeah, they paid $2.8 million or billion just for a, a season ticket. Yeah, I want to see it in the <laughs> You know, in a box. I want I want a yeah I want to be there. I mean, yeah. I'm, I want this thing to look like how I want it. It's yours. We're, I get and, it. And we'll talk about it at some point, but I think he just needs to get a core – that he trusts, that he likes, that will keep him in the mix, but but he doesn't feel like he has to overrule, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a way to manage your your boss. Everybody's had to deal with it, right? Make him think it's his idea, but it's <laughs> but it's your idea, right? Right. It, it's it it happens. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. You like that? You like that? We have some basketball in action tonight, by the way. ACC SEC challenge. This feels so weird saying that, by the way. It's ACC SEC challenge. I'm sorry. I'm so used to ACC Big Ten. Yeah. I kind of wish they did. Do you think the more south we go, like, or more south and west we go, does it become the SEC ACC challenge? I don't know. In Ohio, did did they call it the Big Ten ACC challenge? That's always the ACC. It's always ACC. It's Big always Ten. ACC Big Ten challenge. You know why? Because ACC is better. Because <laughs> they're the preeminent basketball conference in the world. See, here's a, here's the way I like to view it. I like to look at it as the Big Ten actually ran away from the challenge because they haven't won anything since 2000. As far as national championships. As far as national championships. Since Mateen Cleaves. Exactly, Michigan State. Some people that are listening to this aren't old enough to remember that. So I'm going to say. But the ACC-SEC challenge uh, tipped off yesterday. We saw locally 
that NC State lost to Ole Miss on the road 72-52 yesterday. Talked about that earlier. We did. Uh, but Duke in action tonight. They're on the road at Arkansas, which, by the way, you can listen to that game over on Buzz Sports Radio. But a big top 20 matchup tonight, Carolina at home against Tennessee. Few things. And uh, by the way, Tennessee has had some tough games already this year. They played in the Maui Invitational, and they play NC State later on this year as well. So Tennessee getting the runaround early in the year. You want to talk tough schedule? Yeah. North Carolina is in the middle of a meat grinder right now. Yeah. Uh, they lost to Villanova in overtime. Villanova's unranked, but they're Villanova. Mm-hmm. Beat number 20 Arkansas, although they, they won't be number 20 once, you know, or aren't number 20 once once that happened. Uh, number 10, Tennessee tonight. Then Florida State to start ACC play. Again, unranked, but they're Florida State. Leonard Hamilton's still there. Uh, then number four, UConn. Number 12, Kentucky. Number 25, Oklahoma. That's a really tough early season schedule. It's a big stretch for what I would consider building confidence, right? You look like you belong against UConn and Kentucky. You you look like you belong against Tennessee. You win maybe two of those three. You mix it up with the other ones you're supposed to mix it up with, hopefully come away with more wins and losses. That's a big stretch. And, and confidence building for a team that missed the tournament last year is kind of important, mm-hmm. right? You, you kind of want to establish that you're one of the best of the best because you're North Carolina and you should be able to establish you're the best of the best. Um, but also, like, Elliot Cadeau was in the starting lineup for the first time last game. Yeah. Uh, due to injury, Cormac Ryan didn't play. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, let, let me think of the best example of this. Um, Tom Brady, notoriously, right, had, like, six guys that he trusted in the world to run passes or run run routes. And if you got into that core, if you were like Julian Edelman and you were trusted, it was you had a job forever, right? It was uh, they, they would draft guys in the second round and they would just be in the doghouse the entire year because Brady didn't trust them. If you are somebody like Armando Baycott, you probably are looking at freshmen like, oh, you have so much to learn. But if Elliot Cadeau plays well in a couple early season games against top 15 opponents, that can accelerate that confidence that your teammates can have in him. And as I've said time and time and time again, I think he's going to be the, the the guard. He's going to be the point guard that leads North Carolina if they reach their potential. So building confidence in him early in the season before you get to conference play or after you play one conference game in Florida State and then you're back into that meat grinder non-conference schedule, I think that's big. For the Duke side of things, Duke at Arkansas, first of all, Duke's not getting any help from their opponents for uh, strength of schedule. No. Michigan State lost to JMU right before they played Duke. Uh, but they're ranked now, so that actually might be a good loss. Turning it around. Yeah. Uh, Arkansas was the number 14 team in the country in the preseason AP Top 25. Mm-hmm. Uh, their last four games, they've lost to UNCG, they've lost to Memphis, and they've lost to North Carolina. So Not really good against North Carolina schools, are you there, Arkansas? <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, so it's like, uh, you know, that – at the beginning of the year, you're like, wow, look at all these big games. And it's like, they're not going to be ranked when you play them. Yeah. Uh, still, it's Duke's first road game. It's their first true road game. Uh, they've played neutral court. They've played home games, big games at home, like Arizona at home. Yeah. Uh, Michigan State on a neutral court. They've played games, but no true road games. And any road experience is good, good, good experience, right? Especially for freshmen. So, you know, I'm looking at McCain, I'm looking at, at Foster, I'm looking at those guys to really learn. Because Arkansas, you know, like I said, they're losing a lot recently, but they're a raucous environment and, and, and their coach gets them riled up pretty good. 
Should be a fun time. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. Got him. Tiki Tiki Tiger Woods is back, y'all. Tiger Woods is playing in the Hero World Challenge tomorrow. I don't know if I've had a chance to do this. I am a big Tiger Wood nerd. I am like a, uh, what do the kids call him? A stan. And and I don't know if I've had a chance to flex that muscle on the show yet in the the half a year I've been doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, Tiger Woods, to, he's like, I mean, let me think of this. I grew up in a big golfing family, okay? So when I was at the years where, like, superheroes were real, Tiger Woods was a superhero. And now he's just still around, right? Like, it's the equivalent for me of, like, if you read Wolverine comics, then you got to grow up and watch Hugh Jackman, right? It's, like, still pretty awesome. Yeah. I grew up reading Tiger Woods comics. Now I'm at this age, and he's still around. And he's been through, right, he's he's – uh, gone through down stretches and up stretches and all this kind of stuff, but he's still around. Uh, so Tiger Woods getting to play tomorrow is big for me. Um, I remember for Christmas getting a Tiger Woods polo, and I wore it like it was a jersey. I wore it like I was wearing my favorite player's jersey to school. It was a Tiger Woods golf shirt. Uh, it was, it was, you know, back when those things were all I cared about. Uh, so with that being said, Justin Ray Golf on Twitter Occasionally, like four or five times a year, he just collects the most wild and crazy Tiger stats. So I thought I would pass along a few to you. Go on. Um, How about this? From 97 to 2009, 52 players played at least 100 rounds in major championships. Tiger Woods was 134 under par. The next closest, Phil Mickelson at 99 over par. Everyone except for three, uh, two golfers, Phil and Ernie, were at least 275 shots worse than Tiger over that time in majors. Uh, how about this one? Tiger Woods is credited with 41 career wins on the European Tour. That's the third most of any player in European Tour history. He was never a member of the European Tour. Just from playing things like the British Open and the Scottish Open, and winning those so many darn times. He's the third winning. That's absurd. I'll give you one more here. There are three instances in PGA Tour history of a player winning seven or more times at the same course. All three of those times are Tiger Woods. He's won eight times each at Bay Hill, Torrey Pines, and Firestone. I could go on, but I don't need to. Tiger Woods plays golf tomorrow. I will be paying attention. I just let you just nerd out. Is there, there anything else while. you want to add? Because I could keep going. If I you got nothing. To, if no. you wanted to spark it onto a different different road. I mean, you you have me at comic books. That's all I'm going to say. Exactly. This this is my my Batman. This this mm. this is. I completely admit I'm a hypocrite for him. Right. There are things that he's done that if another athlete did it, I'd be like, that's unacceptable. But for him, I'm like, eh, it's Tiger. He's got the best swing in the world. What do you want me to do? He's a superhero. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. What? So we heard the news earlier. Max Johnson, quarterback from Texas A&M, in the transfer portal, is he said himself on Twitter, or X I should say, is going to North Carolina. So I'm going to assume that he made the commitment to go to Carolina because Drake May is going to the NFL. That's just my assumption. Mm-hmm. We haven't officially heard anything yet. Field Gates of ESPN was actually doing a top five positional rank of players going 
eligible players for the 2024 mm-hmm. NFL Draft. His number two quarterback, Drake May, right behind USC quarterback Caleb Williams. That's how we have positional rank. He even had Graham Barton, number two overall for guards from Duke. Uh, on the offense line. Yes, from Duke. But one that he didn't have in his top five, off-ball linebackers, just outside the top five, I guess you could say, Peyton Wilson. He even made a note there. like It was kind of hard to put him and kind of evaluate him because Peyton Wilson is going to be 24 years old when he does enter the NFL, does have the long injury history, but he's been used in so many different ways at NC State. It's like, what's his actual role going to be in the NFL? So kind of hard to evaluate. It's If this were 25 years ago, mm-hmm. Peyton Wilson's a first-round pick. Probably. Um, off-ball linebackers are devalued. Yeah. More and more of the age thing matters. It started in baseball. Uh, I like running backs now. Yeah, very much so. Uh, Allen, the running back out of Wisconsin, I believe he's going pro. Mm -hmm. There was a point in time where it was like, oh, he might not get out of the top 10. He'd be lucky to be a first-round pick. Mm -hmm. But also the age thing matters more. It started in baseball where, like, on on prospect cards or on prospect sites, it no longer just said, like, oh, he's 20. He'll be 21 at the draft. It says, like, he's 20.4. It's said, yeah. he, you know, he's they 90- do that for NBA draft too. Exactly, and it's spreading. And and what you're learning is the younger you are, the the more your ceiling raises. So Peyton Wilson is kind of a finished product, right? At 24, you're not expecting him to physically get much better. Not that he needs to. Uh, I think he'll be a day two pick. I think he will be slotted in to start right away wherever he goes. And I think it'll be a for, be for a contender because I think he makes a lot of sense for a contending team who needs somebody that they can they can draft. You know, they're not going to have the impact top 10 pick. Maybe they even traded away a first-round pick, but they still want a contributor. I think he makes sense there. Um, Drake May at number two. It's To me, him and Caleb Williams are not – like whether you have Drake May 1 and Caleb Williams 2 or Caleb Williams 1 and Drake May 2, it's not a quality question. It's a style question, right? Do you want a more traditional, you know, 6-4 laser rocket arm? Drake May. Do you want the more modern artist, you know, I'm going to run this way, run that way, throw it across my body? You go Caleb Williams. It's it's a personal preference, right? It's like saying, who's a better musician? Um, let, me, let me pick two two good examples here. Who's, who's a better musical, uh, uh, like, act? Jay-Z or the Foo Fighters? Hmm. It's like, well, do you like hip hop or do you like rock? Yeah. It's it's not really asking who's better. Like it's Prince it, or Eminem. Yeah, it's it's do you like exactly. It, it, it's you're not that's not an apples to apples comparison. So, uh if you have Drake May 2, that just means you like the style of Caleb Williams more. If you have Drake May 1, that means you like the style of Drake May more. And I think in the, across the NFL, there'll be different different teams have them in different ways. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. You done messed up. Syracuse filled their uh, their coaching void. That they did. Defensive backs coach? Is that what it was from yes, Georgia? from Georgia. Fran Brown. Fran. Franny. Franny B. Everybody knows Franny. Everyone. Uh, Fran Brown goes to, to Syracuse, uh, which means the clock is ticking, Duke. Right? Mm-hmm. Syracuse is going to be out there looking for new, looking for recruits, looking for transfer portal. Clock is ticking. It is absurd. I mean, actually – just today, okay? Just today. Uh, or actually, no, we'll go over the last three days. We've learned KJ Jefferson, senior quarterback, Arkansas, in the transfer portal. We've learned Max Johnson, quarterback from Texas AM, in the portal and out of the portal to North Carolina, 
committed. Uh, Mitch Griffiths, Wake Forest in the portal. Grayson McCall, Coastal Carolina in the portal. Um, we've learned a lot. Of Spencer Rattler going pro from, from South Carolina. He announced he's going into the draft. There are, There is a ton of movement taking place as we speak in college sports. And if you don't have a coach, you can't capitalize on it. You can't react to it. You can't really do anything. You're in a holding pattern. So Syracuse was aware of that. Worked quick. Dino Babers out. Franny B in. Duke, Mike Elko leaves. There's no time to lick your wounds. You have to find the next coach, and it has to be quick. I would say by close of business on Friday. That way you give him the week, whoever the next coach is, the weekend, to dive into the portal before it opens for non-graduate transfers on Monday. Mm-hmm. And to be completely honest, if you can give him like half the day on Friday, if you can get it done by lunch on Friday, that's better. If you can get it done Thursday at dinner and give him all day Friday, that's better. Well, it's not only just figuring out who your coach is going to be. It's also letting them build a staff. It's letting them build it's, a it's, staff. It's, it's also like figuring out, all right, how who's going to be available for your staff to coach the bowl game. There's a lot of different things that go into it, but also re-recruiting the players that are on your roster currently so they don't yes. go to the transfer portal. <laughs> and, and that's why you have to build the staff quick because it's better to have multiple guys call in at the same time. You yeah. know what I mean? You call the the running backs, I'll call the tight ends. You call the offensive line, I'll, you call the the receivers. Like you, you have to get multiple hands on deck, and mm-hmm. you can't do that until you know you're the head coach. You can't even assemble your staff until you know you're the head coach. It's a lot of movement. I can't imagine like anyone that's ever interviewed for a job. I can't imagine the urgency, right? Like, hey, do you want to be the head coach at Duke? Yes. All right, put together your staff. You have forty five minutes. Cool. You're, you're calling everybody you know. Like, hey. Uh, call your wife. Let me know in 10 minutes if you want to be my offensive coordinator. Yeah. Click. Call somebody else. Hey, you have 10 minutes. Let me know if you want to be a defensive coordinator. Click. As soon as your offensive coordinator gets on the line. What do you think is so-and-so for a running backs coach? Perfect. Call him. Tell him he has 10 minutes. Like, it's got to be that. You got to get your staff together in, you know, a couple hours because you all have to be re-recruiting every player on the roster and recruiting every player out of the portal and looking at high school. It's crazy. So, get on it, Duke. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. Uh, speaking of head coaches, John Gilbert, ECU Athletic Director, spoke to the media yesterday. Discussed Mike Houston, their head football coach. Just two wins this season, two and ten, if I remember correctly. Correct. And and what year four, year five, something along those yeah. lines. He's he's you know, you you're expecting progress. So when that you have that that tough season that far into an era, you start to have questions. Especially coming off an eight win season yep. last year. So here's actually ECU AD John Gilbert giving that vote of confidence towards Mike Houston. It starts with uh, certainly me, Coach Houston, our student-athletes hadn't met their expectations either. Uh, I I feel, um, you know, just terrible uh, with how the season played out. And uh, I know that we can do better. Uh, I know that it's going to take a lot of hard work. Uh, fr- from everybody in this department uh, to, to get it turned around. And, and I do believe in Mike Houston. That's one way to avoid the whole, hey, you got to assemble a staff and re-recruit and you just don't move on from your coach. Yeah, keep him. John Gilbert continued in his conversation about Mike Houston when it comes to the standard at ECU. To me, on a very baseline level, we, we should play in a bowl game every year. Uh, and I think that is achievable and, and meaningful. 
Uh, and, I, and I do think we ought to compete for conference championships. You know, we're, we're in a position, if you, if you look at last year with the schools that were in our league and, and left, to the, left to go to the Big 12, th- there was a huge financial gap uh, b- between us and, and those top schools. Uh, you know, if you look at budget-wise now, there's still a gap, but it's not quite near as far. So I, I do think we have all the things here uh, in place that we can win a conference championship here. And so my expectation is, at minimum, we should be playing in a bowl game every year and we should be competing for conference championships and be in that upper tier of our league.